Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. Today is episode 888, and we're looking at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Let's read the passage. Now the first covenant also had regulations for ministry and an earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was set up, and in the first room, which is called the holy place, were the lampstand, the table, and the presentation loaves. Behind the second curtain was a tent called the Most Holy Place. It had the gold altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered with gold on all sides, in which was a gold jar containing the manna, Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the commandment. The cherubim of glory were above the Ark, overshadowing the mercy seat. It's not possible to speak about these things in detail right now. This is the book of Hebrews. It's a letter or a written sermon addressed to Jewish Christians. Seems they were tempted to fall away from Christianity, go back into Judaism to escape persecution from the Roman Empire. And the author of Hebrews is writing that that's a mistake. Christ is superior to anything else you could go to. He's superior to angels, superior to Moses. He's superior to the Old Testament priesthood. In fact, he is the new high priest, and that has replaced the old priesthood. He administered a new covenant, which is superior to the old covenant. And the old covenant is obsolete and passing away. Now we are into chapter 9. Pick it up with verse 1. Now the first covenant also had regulations for ministry, in an earthly sanctuary. So he's continuing this argument of the new covenant is superior to the old covenant. And remember, this is what they're tempted to do. They're tempted to run back to the first covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Judaism, and abandon the new covenant, Christ. So now he's talking about the mechanics of it. He's setting it up for further argument. He's not making a big argument this time, but he's, he's providing the background for it. So now he's going to describe this earthly sanctuary. Verse 2, for a tabernacle was set up. So he's using the example of the tabernacle that was established in Exodus, the Old Testament, as part of the Old Covenant. It was later replaced by the temple built by Solomon, but the same arguments would hold true for the temple as for the tabernacle. But the tabernacle is what we really see described in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, all the aspects of the, the construction and operation of the tabernacle. It says, and in the first room, which is called the holy place, with a lampstand, the table, and the presentation loaves. So the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was the portable place of worship that God had established for them to set up wherever they were camped. And it had two compartments to it. The first room was the holy place. And this first room, this holy place, it was 20 cubits long, 10 cubits wide and 10 cubits tall. Now, a cubit is the length from your elbow to the tip of your finger, about 18 inches. That's how big this first room is. And it's comprised of these two rooms, the holy place and the most holy place. Same thing with the temple. When the temple was built, it was consisted of the same two rooms. 
So the holy place has a lampstand, which was basically a big menorah. It was made of gold. It had a main stem and then six branches that went out. So it had these seven lamps. They were oil lamps. We see it called out in Exodus 25, where God tells him how to build it. And then in Exodus 37, describes the actual building of it. And he says also the table and the presentation loaves. Well, the presentation loaves were bread, the showbread, the bread of presence, and they were placed on the table. And the table and the lampstand were opposite each other, either side of the holy place. The bread of presence was... Twelve loaves of bread were baked, one for each tribe of Israel, and they were placed on this table on the Sabbath, and they were left there throughout the week. At the end of the week, new loaves would be brought in and put in place, and then the priests would eat those loaves in a holy place. They were the bread of presence. They were there to be in the presence of God. They were there as an offering to God. And then at the end of the week, the priests that were on duty ate those 12 loaves. Now, priests went into this first room, the holy place, on a daily basis to maintain the oil in the lamps and adjust the wicks of the lamps to also do the daily morning and evening incense offering. I'll mention the altar of incense in just a minute. So the priests were in and out of the first room, the holy place, on a daily basis. It wasn't like they were milling about in there all the time. They purposely went in in the morning and then purposely went in in the evening. They went in, did their business, and got out. They didn't hang out in there. And because there were 18,000 priests on duty at the time of the birth of Jesus, it was the sort of thing you got to do very often. You may only get to go into the holy place as an active priest one or two times during your entire life. So it was a big deal to go in there and deal with these things which were there to be in the presence of God. Continues verse 3. Behind the second curtain was a tent called the Most Holy Place. The first curtain would be the entrance to the tent. And you go through the first curtain, you're in the Holy Place. Then there's a second curtain. You go behind the second curtain, you're in the Most Holy Place. So called the Holy of Holies. And he continues to describe it in verse 4. It had the gold altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered with gold on all sides, in which was a gold jar containing the manna, Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. There's a, a problem here. He associates the altar of incense with the Holy of Holies. But it's clear in the Old Testament that the altar of incense is not in the Holy of Holies. He didn't say it was in it. He said it had it. So he seems to be associating the altar of incense with the Holy of Holies. And it was right up against the curtain. So it wasn't inside the Holy of Holies. It was right up to the curtain on the other side of the Holy of Holies. Now, the altar of incense was used twice a day with the morning and evening offerings. And the idea was that the incense drifted up to heaven and carried the prayers of the people praying outside. That was what Zechariah was doing when the angel appeared to him and gave him the announcement of the impending birth of John the Baptist. Zechariah was serving at the altar of incense. But it's right there 
against the Holy of Holies. And it is important on the Day of Atonement, the one day of the year when the high priest goes behind the second curtain into the Holy of Holies. First, therefore, he goes behind the curtain. He has to make an offering of incense himself. And it says if he doesn't, he will die before he goes behind the curtain. So behind the curtain, you have the Ark of the Covenant. This is the wooden box covered with gold. And in it is the Ten Commandments, the two tablets that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai. He also says it was the gold jar of manna and Aaron's staff that budded. Now we look at the manna first. In Exodus 16, the people were hungry and God provided for them this manna, this bread-like substance. We read in Exodus 16, 33, Moses told Aaron, take a container and put two quarts of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be preserved throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron placed it before the testimony to be preserved. We have there, when the manna first appears, Moses tells his brother Aaron, get this jar of it and go place it before the testimony. The testimony means the two tablets, the Ten Commandments. So was he just putting it behind the curtain near them? Was he put it in front of the curtain? But the author of Hebrews, uh, according to him, it was actually in the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments. He also mentions the staff of Aaron that budded. This had to do when there was rumbling over the fact that the priesthood was limited to Aaron. And there was a group of Levites who said, we can make offerings too, not just Aaron. And that's where God sent divine punishment on them to show that no, they could not offer fire to the Lord. Only Aaron's sons could. There was still grumbling going on. So we read in number 17. The Lord instructed Moses, speak to the Israelites and take one staff from them for each ancestral tribe, 12 staffs from all the leaders of their tribes. Write each man's name on his staff. Write Aaron's name on Levi's staff, because there's to be one staff for the head of each tribe. And place them in the tent of meeting in front of the testimony where I meet with you. The staff of the man I choose will sprout, and I will rid myself of the Israelites' complaints that they've been making about you. So Moses spoke to the Israelites. Each of the leaders gave him a staff, one for each of the leaders of the tribes, 12 staffs in all. Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. The next day Moses entered the tent of testimony and saw that Aaron's staff, representing the house of Levi, had sprouted, formed buds, blossomed, and produced almonds. Moses then brought out all the staffs from the Lord's presence to all the Israelites. They saw them. Each man took his own staff. The Lord told Moses, put Aaron's staff back in front of the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels, so that you may put an end to their complaints before me, or else they will die. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. So again, go put the staff with the testimony. That's the Ten Commandments. Now, it doesn't say in the Old Testament that they were placed in the Ark of the Covenant, but the, the writer of Hebrews is saying that they were. Then verse 5, The cherubim of glory were above the Ark, 
overshadowing the mercy seat. So these were the angelic beings, the figurines that were part of the top, the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is the box that contains the covenant, the tablets of Moses. And the cherubim are basically angels made out of gold. And the imagery was that God would come down in a cloud between the cherubim and essentially sit on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. That's why it was called the mercy seat, the cover. Now, the, the actual word that gets translated as mercy seat here really translates the Hebrew word place of atonement. You have this Greek word group, Halaskami, and this Hebrew word group, Kapur, that are very closely related. And they really mean atonement. So Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. The Kapareth is the mercy seat, the place of atonement. But the word that gets translated in, in the Greek from Kapur is this Halaskami word group. Part of that word group uh, is used in Luke 18 with the tax collector saying, have mercy on me. So it's the dispensement of mercy. So that's how you end up with this word mercy seat. It's really more technically true that the place of atonement, or the place that God dispenses mercy. And the imagery there is that on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest goes in there and makes the sacrifice, that God comes down in a cloud on the mercy seat and dispenses mercy, dispenses atonement, forgiveness for sin. It says the end of verse 5, it's not possible to speak about these things in detail right now. He's not going into a lot of details. I went into some background details just because they not have read these things in a while. But he's just laying out the background here. This is the aspects of the physical tabernacle. And the same things are true for the physical temple. And he's continuing this argument that the new covenant is here. Christ, the new covenant in Christ is here and it has replaced the old covenant. The old covenant has been done away with and everything about this temporary tabernacle thing shows the temporary nature of it, that it was never intended to be a permanent thing and that it looks ahead. It's a picture of looking ahead to the new covenant that will replace it. This new covenant is in Christ. Don't abandon Christ and run back to Judaism, which has been replaced. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Hebrews.